0: You're listening to the Sixers Beat with your host, Derek Bodner, right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co.
1: Welcome, everybody. This is Derek Bodner here with the Sixers Beat, uh, part of the CLNS Media Network. I'm joined by... My cohort over at the Athletic Philadelphia, which self-promotion launches Tuesday, Rich Hoffman, and also with Max Rappaport, who uh, I guess how would I Liberty Ballers? That, that that's still a thing, right? Like you still right <laughs> for that over podcast. Uh, step over podcast fame, um, not optionality. The step over tees even though I still think of it as optionality. But all the, my Twitter,
0: um, all my Twitter content is free, no ad wall or no paywall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but the multi-talented Max Rappaport. How are you guys doing? Thank you.
2: Doing pretty well. Good, man.
1: Good. Uh, as always, if you can, we haven't done this in a while, so we will beg for five-star ratings and reviews now. If you can go to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a review. We'd appreciate that. Also, head over to SixersBeat.com if you need any links to subscribe. But my guess is if you're listening to this intro right now, you have probably already subscribed, and we thank you for that. You know, I guess there's still we – we've got, you know, Training camp in about three weeks. Probably going to meet with Brett Brown sometime in, in the next two weeks or so. But we're still kind of in that dead period. We did finally, there's some basketball being played right now in the world in, in the Euro Cup tournament, uh, Euro Basket tournament, I'm sorry. And we will talk about that. We had both Saric and uh, Firkin Korkmaz play today. Uh, Saric obviously with a much bigger role. But... uh i right, I guess we'll just start off right there with those two guys they both played today charge earlier in the day Corkmas later any real initial impressions on how those guys fared in their first uh non friendly action of the of the tournament
2: Dario looks skinny seems <laughs> like he was uh i don't know i don't swimming some laps in the uh adriatic sea this summer i I don't know but that that was really the only thing i took he didn't he didn't play that well today um but he still managed fifteen points fairly easily because well, you know, he's just better than most of the other players he's gonna find in this tournament. Um I, I guess the uh the thing that struck me watching that game is it's it's not as interesting to watch him anymore now that we've seen him play a full NBA season and know what his strengths and weaknesses are. I mean he he played eighty one games last year. That was quite a sample size to uh to sort of gauge where he's at. And, you know, I mean, it, it was good to see him playing. He, he takes, obviously, a lot of pride playing for that Croatian team. But, yeah, I'm not as interested as I was uh, last year. I, I guess the one thing I will say that's worth watching is his shooting form and whether he starts to put a little more arc under the ball. And while it seemed like I saw a little bit of that tonight, I mean, it was only like two or three shots, so it's it's not anything you can even really discuss at this point yet
1: yeah and the other thing with that is that it's you know he's got it's 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 still the the feeble line so he's got a foot a foot and a half less of distance to travel so you know sometimes taking that extra step back is where that that flatness in the shot comes from but yeah no i agree with you it seemed like it was somewhat better but it is i mean we're talking about a couple of shots that could have been could have been just randomness
0: yeah, I think I think the Rich is right about a couple things. One, I, I had the same reaction and I guess I had the same reaction in all the highlights from the friendlies from the last couple of weeks too is that he looks more like a 3 now than he did coming in last season. And almost I feel like he looks his body and his, the way he's playing and his role in Croatia feels more like when he was in the Adriatic League before going to Turkey. Like when I initially when they drafted him when you watch highlights of Dario it was more playing in that ball handling three role, and he was a little bit thinner then. And then when he went to Eppes, it seemed like he put on weight and really only played the four. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I guess I don't really feel like I have a good sense of what the Sixers are, how the Sixers want to use him this year now that Simmons is back. But I I could see him playing a little more three this season just be, because you have Simmons. And then the other thing is, I think it's funny. Like I had the reaction today to Corkmaz and charge playing that like three years ago or two years ago or even like last summer this would have been something we were really pumped about and like Sixers fans would have been all over and like you would have seen a lot more excitement of, around it on Twitter and I feel like we've kind of reached a point where like Furcon Korkmaz Mads highlights are, are like so far down the list of things we're excited about whereas th- we were like dying for this kind of stuff a couple years ago.
1: We're in a slightly this- different place now than we were that's that's for damn sure yes
0: that's
2: so true like the only other people i saw tweeting about Sar- even Saric's game were people who were paid to watch it basically <laughs> so yeah it's it's definitely a different a different time period i also uh, it, when it comes to his the uh, him slimming down a little bit i it it, it will be curious to see cuz like his team got smoked on the boards today um yeah. against like a worse team and there was really no doubt in the fourth quarter who was going to win. But part of the reason they were – it was even a close game because it was a talent mismatch was that the Hungarian team was just killing the uh, Croatians on the boards. I don't – I wasn't watching Dario close enough to know if, like, he wasn't boxing out. The announcers were saying he wasn't boxing out. I'm not sure it was all of that. But, yeah, it, it'll it be interesting to see, like, how a uh, a slimmer – frame sort of translates to the NBA because on the one hand, like it's not like he, he loses a few pounds and then starts moving like a gazelle out there. He's not the the quickest player regardless of, you know, how much weight he loses. But on the other hand, like maybe, maybe he will be able to sort of there around in space. He had a couple nice drives today that it, it might've just been the, uh, the talent disparity there. But I, I, I'll be I'll be curious to see how that translates to the NBA because it's noticeable that he has lost the weight, but I'm not sure I really notice it when he plays. Like I, I'm not sure how that changes his game any more than he just lost a few more, few more pounds, that's all.
1: Yeah, I mean he definitely did struggle on the boards and his positioning was not great. I'm not sure that's all size and bulk. Like there was he was just out of position a lot. It seemed like he was really reliant on on tip rebounds to kind of make up for that. Um but in terms of playing the three, you know, obviously losing weight and being lighter on your feet will help. But I still worry that even when I watched Charge play when he was younger, and I mean, we've, he, he's been on the radar for quite a few years now, even when he was 16, 17, eight years, 18 years old and, and not really physically developed, he still, I don't think, had the foot speed to defend an NBA three. So I do worry a little bit, is he still going to be able to bang down low? Because I still think his limitations are going to relegate him mostly to a at least defensively, to a power forward spot. Um, it really is, like you guys said, it's amazing how this was so much less of a big deal. And, I mean, look, it wasn't the greatest competition. It wasn't the sexiest competition. Not very many people uh, really care about the Hungarian national team. Uh, my My family is from Hungary, and I didn't care about the Hungarian national team. But it is uh, even as he ramps up. It's just you have so many other things to look forward to. I think people right now are more invested in Joel Embiid's Instagram and in in, in Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons and whatever they're doing in their respective corners of the world and whatever they're tweeting out and posting about that than they are really about this uh, about this EuroBasket tournament. And I mean that makes a little bit of sense in part because the team is so much more exciting, but also in part because uh you know because we we saw. Dario Saric play 81 games in the NBA. Really, if you're watching this right now, it's just because you're desperate for basketball, which which I completely understand.
2: From our nerdy point of view, what did you guys think of Corkmass? Uh, because that was more interesting to me than Saric even.
1: Yeah, he got the second half start. Got a got quite a bit more minutes in the second half. You know, he's kind of interesting because I somebody mentioned this today to me today about Saric, and they're like, "Man, he looks like he looks like his defense is better." And I generally think Scharich's defense looks better in these kind of international competitions because of the, the athleticism disparity just isn't quite as large. And Scharich, he's puts in the effort. He's fundamentally sound. He knows what he's doing defensively. He just can't do it against the kind of caliber of athletes that you'll see in the NBA. And I think Corkmaz is a little bit like that too. You know, he's sitting here. He's He's giving effort. He's fighting through screens. He's trying to fight through screens. But screens that he can get through in Europe – I worry about how he's going to get through them in the NBA. But I mean he looked good. He he made a 3. You know, he can clearly handle the ball a little bit. I'm excited for him. I just I still worry about the first year, or two years of his NBA career and whether or not he's going to be able to compete physically.
2: Yeah, the uh the, the Turkish national team seems like a pretty good situation for him. They they're a bunch of young guys. They were uh they were sort of pressing Russia like crazy. And it, it, that was actually a pretty exciting game. But yeah, it, it seems like yeah, I wouldn't say I was a little underwhelmed with Quirk Maz at Summer League, but again, I think he also has the excuse of that was probably a pretty big culture shock. He was pretty and he much came
1: in like halfway through too.
2: Yeah, like it was instantaneous, and obviously, Summer League isn't the most uh, organized, structured uh, form of basketball. I thought, yeah, I thought he looked good. I thought he. The coach started to clearly trust him. I mean, he made some mistakes at the end of the game, but yeah, I I, I enjoyed watching him run the pick and roll. He can clearly make shots off the dribble, which is a uh, a nice attribute to have. And yeah, I, I think in uh in European play, there aren't the type of wings you're gonna see in the NBA. But he defended really well today, which was cool to see. I'm I'm pretty excited to watch him the rest of the tourney.
1: Hey Max, buddy, you still here?
0: <laughs> I'm still here. I didn't wa I I wasn't able to watch Cork Maz's game, so I was just gonna let you two take that. That was part probably of the
1: something you could have told us before we started the podcast. <laughs> I'm <Max>. sorry.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all
2: right. That's probably all, that's probably all we could have said about Cork Maz anyway. <laughs> uh, next,
1: uh, next, next podcast, I expect you to be an expert.
0: Yes, um, I had to get up real early out here. I mean, Dario's game started at like 5 a.m. Pacific, so. It's uh, it's rough.
1: It was yeah. really early. I was, I knew it was going to be 11 o'clock, and I still almost missed it because I was, I was still getting into my routine. All right, we'll get back to the podcast in just a bit. But before we do, I want to tell you about our sponsor. Football is just around the corner, which means fantasy football is back. FanDuel is fantasy football for everyday fans, with new contests starting each week and no busted seasons. There's something for everyone with FanDuel, with lots of contests to choose from starting at just $1. Just pick a contest, Choose your team, and watch your score in real time. Over 2.5 million players have already won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel, and you could be next. Not only that, but it makes every game more exciting, and keeps you glued to your TV all weekend long. Try FanDuel for free, with no deposit required. Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest, and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using promo code SixersBeat. That's FanDuel.com. Promo code Sixers beat. Void where prohibited. All right. Uh, let's move on to expectations for a season. You know, Vegas just put out, I think the over-under was for either 41.5 or 42.5, which in our realm, in our universe, is a very big number. You know, I think a lot of us, we, we focus a lot on, you know, how we can get there, how the Sixers can get there, and Joel Embiid and how we can turn them into a, a one of the best defenses in the league. And how Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons to initiate the offense, and JJ Redick to provide spacing can help improve what has been the worst, you know, offense in the league for a couple of years running now. But I kind of wanted to flip that over and ask you if there is one thing that would keep you up at night that could prevent this team from reaching those expectations and reaching their potential. Not counting Joel Embiid's health, what would it be?
0: Okay, I mean beyond beyond Embiid getting hurt, I honestly don't really think there's that much they could derail. Like, I think if, if Embiid's healthy for 50-plus games this season, I have a really hard time seeing the season be, like, quote-unquote derailed. Even if Ben Simmons really struggles or he gets hurt, even if Markel Fultz, like, isn't the player we think he is or J.J. Reddick doesn't translate as well, I feel like if Embiid's healthy, they win at least 32, 33 games. And beyond that, like, I, I would see that as... Not a derailing of the season. Like that's basically on. Um, that's like the lower end of reasonable. What I expect for this season. But like, if they won more than thirty games, I would think that's fine. If if all What's these other things What's your biggest concern, Max?
1: Play the what? game. What's your biggest concern?
0: I mean, and be getting hurt.
1: No, besides that.
0: Uh, too obvious. My biggest concern. Honestly, my biggest concern is them getting off to a slow start um, for whatever number of reasons, whether it's injury or not, and something happening with Brett Brown. That's that would be like a derailing, more of a derailing of what I hope where I hope the team's heading. But that's like the only really bad case, other than Embiid getting hurt, that I could see this season like coming from this season. Yeah, I mean, Embiid being healthy, like Embiid's health, is
2: far and away the biggest issue. Like, I I would even like uh, up what what Max said. I, probably, if they got him for sixty games, I would be really surprised if they couldn't win at least thirty five. He's that good, and the East is that bad. Yeah, and and as far as like the schedule goes, I like, I agree with what he's saying because there's a lot of really tough games at the beginning of the year, and it it might just be with the way that the NBA is covered and everybody obsesses over everything. If they get off to a slow start this year, Brett Brown is really going to hear it. Like, it, there will be, you know, a ton of blogs getting on him. There will be TV shows dedicated to the NBA podcasts. There will be people who are saying, is this guy really a good coach? Because now he finally has the talent and the Sixers are pretty much right where they are. But, but like, other, other than that, I mean, I, I, I guess it's just, the fact that they're slotting in two young guys into the rotation and they're, they're counting on both of them in Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. And in general, young guys do not win in the NBA, but even that, like who are they replacing? I mean, they're Markel Fultz is replacing Sergio Rodriguez and TJ McConnell who's still here. So it's not like they're, they're downgrading there. And I, Ben Simmons, I, I mean, Ursan Ilyasova was a nice fit with Joe Embiid, but you know, basically the whole power forward rotation is back. Besides that, that too. So, yeah, I, I would guess I just would say that I'm a little worried that the young guys that they're going to take a little while to get going, especially with the schedule. But that's
1: about it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Max's point was probably where I was going to go, uh, in part because I expected somebody to go with Ben Simmons, but I think Max's point. You know, so much, it's so easy to look at the expectations of this team and to get enticed by the playoffs to overreact. And I think with the difficulty of the, the early season schedule, with integrating two new primary ball handlers, with a new player in J.J. Reddick, with Joel Embiid who hasn't played a game since, since uh, January, and I think it's easy to forget that, it's tailor-made for a slow start. And I think when you look at the team, the only reason I think it would be justifiable, especially early in the season, to get rid of Brett Brown is if Brian Clangelo walked up and he watched the practices and he said, look, I don't think Brett's doing a good job developing the young talent. I don't think the priorities he's setting out are the right ones. I don't think the methods he's using to try to teach them is the way to go about it. That's the, and I think there's a very low chance of that happening. If it's just record, if just one loss, if it's just competitiveness, I think you need that continuity for these young guys, that single voice to help get them to the next level. And that is my biggest, my biggest, I mean, and this isn't even a bright, you know, last year we said this, you know, hey, maybe Brian Colangelo could use a slow start as an excuse to get his own job. I don't even think we're talking about that. I just think it's human nature and the nature of the NBA to overreact to adversity. And I, that's probably my biggest early season concern. What I, where I would go after that, Is Ben Simmons. And look, it's great that he talked recently about, oh, I'm going to shoot threes this year. Well, show me. I mean, really show me. And not that I expect him to come out and shoot 35%, but I need him to take it. And I need him to show that he can at least be a streaky shooter. And maybe right now that just means he takes, you know, two a game and and makes a 27% clip. I'm not even really looking for, you know, effectiveness, certainly not consistency. I'm looking for a willingness and a hope. And if he can't do that, for all the physical gifts in the world he has, and he certainly he certainly does have them, but if he can't struggle to make outside shots or make shots off the dribble, then it's really going to be hard to be a primary initiator in the NBA, and it's also going to be hard to be valuable off the ball when Markel Fultz is is initiating for the team. So I just want to see something to give me hope. And again, that doesn't have to be out of the gate. It doesn't have to be consistency. Just something to show progress going forward.
2: Are you interested at all how Simmons will deal with, I don't want to say failure, but, you know, not not a an amazing amount of success to begin the season? Because, like, yes, he gives these interviews where he's like, no, 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 I don't want to be the rookie of the year. I want to be LeBron level right away. And, like, w- when you hear him talk and, like, you, you see that, like, he has a lot of confidence in himself, which is not a bad thing. But I'll be interested to see, like, If teams start going under that screen and he's only a 24% three-point shooter for a little while, I'll be interested to see because that's a lonely place to be. And for someone who is basically, despite the fact that his college team wasn't that good, who has been super successful for all of his life, I'm a little more interested to see how he deals with that than, say, Markel Fultz. Because... Uh, Fultz was, uh, when you listen to his comments, it seems like he's ready for a learning curve of some sort.
0: I don't know how concerned I am about that. Um, Yeah, I think, I guess I'm more concerned about team success than, like, Ben Simmons getting off to a rough start and that shaking his confidence or, you know, causing issues for him. I'm more concerned about, like, I I think for good reason because the team's gotten a lot better and also because, uh, the mood around the team, the way the national media is talking about them, like, I think is a little overblown Um, in, in like, well, I'm sure we'll talk about the 42-and-a-half, the you know, over-under, but I think that the fact that so many people are thinking playoffs this year, that they're on national TV so much, that, you know, ticket sales are through the roof and the excitement about the team in Philly is so high, like, I think it's a little – People are getting a little too ahead of themselves, and I, I don't think they'll be able to meet those expectations, especially early in the year, or I, I don't expect them to at least. Um, I could see that being a bigger issue, like team success and wins and losses and say they start the year 2-8 and eight or something. Like I could see that being a bigger issue than Ben Simmons struggling like individually.
1: Yeah, I mean, if there's ever a team that needed a really soft early season schedule, this was probably it. And for them to come out and have the hardest schedule in the league in October and November it's it's not ideal i mean it's not the end of the world because at the end of the end of the day all eastern conference schedules are pretty much the same but you certainly would have for the reasons max talked about and the way they react to adversity you certainly would have liked to have seen you know that spread out a little more evenly and i do agree with rich that you want to see how how people react individual individually to adversity too because certainly i mean we can excuse um, LSU as much as we want, and certainly that was a bad environment for him. But there were, I mean, there were more than a few rumblings that maybe that team didn't react the way it should have to adversity. And ultimately, he's you know 19, 20 years old at the time, in a bad spot. For the most part, I agree with that. But you do at at some point still have to react, you know, in a productive manner. And, and that will be a uh, that'll be interesting too. And I mean, this is a, a level of competition, a level of athleticism that he's never gone against and there certainly is a possibility that that jump shot could be a bigger hindrance than it's ever been. How does he react to that both tactically and from a, you know, from a a mental standpoint?
2: So what do we think about that number?
1: (laughs) You know, I was kind of saying around 43. Um, That's in large part because I think they're going to get not, you know, Hope, I guess, is probably the better word for it. That they'll get 80 or 80, pff, 60 games out of Embiid. And that Reddick and Covington, along with Embiid, will give them at least some form of, um, like a almost like a calming influence because they know what they can rely upon those guys for Covington defensively and, and Reddick offensively. I'd say right around 43 wins, but it certainly has, has a, a chance of going down from there if injuries and or the rookie struggles are a little more than expected.
0: I'll ask you guys this question because I think it kind of gets at that number. What do you think if everything goes right this season? Um, and that's development of young players, JJ Reddick's fit, Embiid stays healthy. Like, what is the absolute highest number of wins you could reasonably see them, reasonably see them winning this season? See, and this is why I would take the under. 45, probably like 46. Yeah, I was, yeah Like I was gonna say
1: 47, but that even that I was not sure of.
0: It's way too close to the to the line, and the and the worst case is they win like 24 games, and and I think like if you look at it like a scatter plot, there's so much in that under that like if any one thing goes wrong, especially Embiid, that's like in itself is if Embiid gets hurt, they're not winning 43 games unless he gets hurt at the very end of the season or something. Like you, you need Embiid to be healthy the whole year, and then you need a lot of stuff to go right. Not it doesn't need to be like outrageous. Um, you know, it's not like Marco Fultz and Simmons need to be the two best rookies in the league, but like other things need to go well too, and that's just to get them to barely over that forty-two and a half. That's why I, I, I just will feel say, like I'd probably set it at like thirty-eight, thirty-seven and a half, somewhere around there.
1: I will say if they if Embiid is healthy. And that's a ginormous if. But if you get 60 games out of Embiid and they win less than 37 games, I would be floored. So I think that scatter plot, if you just factor in, you know, remove one variable from that equation, I think that scatter plot is a lot more condensed. And that 43, you know, 41, 42, 43 range is a lot more realistic. That being said, Embiid's health is a giant fucking yeah. unknown. Like, I the it, biggest you question can't mark just remove the that season. variable yeah. Maybe in the whole league, certainly yeah. maybe in the whole Eastern Conference, yeah, it's insane.
2: Yeah, it, I, I just can't see them. Like sometimes you do see teams. Like, does anybody remember what the the Thunder went from? And now obviously this was, I think, in Durant's third year and Westbrook's second year, but they they, they made a pretty sizable jump. I just it's it's like reasonably. I, I can't picture. I have so many friends and like Sixers diehards that. I think somewhat jokingly, but maybe not all of them say 50 wins, like, excitedly this summer, and they're just they're just high off the Fultz trade and Simmons coming back and everything JoJo did last year. It's just like, man, I, I really can't see more than, like, 46 or 47 wins. Like, just th- that number just doesn't seem right. I, I will say, I, I do think, yeah, I, I agree with Derek that, my uh my range of outcomes would be a little more condensed than than what Max said. I like they won 28 games with Embiid playing 30 games last year. Like, and they didn't get worse. Like, I, I they got a little younger, but they they didn't get worse. I I I don't, I don't see their personnel as like taking a major step back outside of that. And in many ways, with Redick offensively, it probably took a step forward. But yeah, like to me, the range of outcomes is it's pretty wide too. It's probably like 31 to 32 to 45. And, yeah, I mean, if you put that in the middle, that number would be 38. And also, like, in terms of playoffs, because for some reason playoffs have been termed like the, the measure of success coming into this season, 38 wins probably does get you into the playoffs this year in the East.
1: <laughs> I would be stunned if 38 wins didn't get you into the playoffs in the East. The East is is that bad? And there's so little depth once you get once you get past the top five or so.
0: I mean, looking at the just the over/unders set in Vegas, 38 would get you in. It's basically the Pistons. I think are right at 38 and a half wins, and that they would be the last team. And if you look at the the standings, I mean, it's basically there are nine teams in the East competing for the eight spots. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of all the teams, but it's basically a huge drop off after that ninth team, which I think is basically it's the Pistons and maybe us and Charlotte. But then after that, it's 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 real bad. Like I just don't see any of those teams: the Hawks, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Nets. Like I don't see any of those teams really competing for a spot. So it's I'd, I'd have a hard time imagining like unless something spots. really goes wrong. The Sixers not being the ninth worst team. Like I, like the ninth seed would be like the low the low point unless something goes horribly wrong.
2: Yeah, I mean it's three teams battling for two spots. The Sixers, this young, exciting core, and then two of the most boring teams in the league. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, that's one way to look at it. Um, but I wouldn't
2: I wouldn't be surprised if those two boring teams finished out of the Sixers, though. At least for this year.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so much you know, when when you if you take Embiid away from away from this team, then you're looking at two lead ball handlers and a defense that I don't know how much it's going to compete. You know, when you start looking at it, like, okay, your point guard is false, He's going to be a negative defensively. Your shooting guard is Reddick, obviously, not a negative. Um, but I mean, he certainly has his deficiencies. Okay, three, you got Covington. Four, you've got, you've got Simmons, who's um, probably going to be a negative considering all the the, the learning he has to do and the effort questions and then you don't have a five man to lock that down that changes the equation on that side of the court drastically and when you're that that dependent on one player and that one player is is so unknown then yeah this this could go you know again i don't i don't think we're even in the worst case scenario we're talking less than you know maybe 30 wins but that's a there's there's a pretty big difference between 30 and 38 and you could certainly see the bottom end of that equation if uh, if Embiid's not a go. All right, I think uh, yeah, I think that's probably about it. Uh, don't need to have an hour long podcast in the early part of September when the biggest thing to talk about is a Hungary Croatia game that nobody even really watched. So thank you guys for jumping on uh, once again. Follow Rich Rich underscore Hoffman, Max at Max Rapaport and we will talk to you soon.
0: See ya. See ya.
2: You've been listening to the Sixers Beat right here on LibertyBallers.com and LibertyBroadcast.co